have a plan for the intro. All right, I'm ready to go. My level's up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Chopping It Down podcast featuring your dynamic duo, Zeon and Dan. With us today, a very special guest of the show. I, I don't even know what to say. She's such a strong woman. She's mm. a doctor, first and foremost. You may have seen her on Hartford Currents 40 Under 40. You may have seen her kicking butt and many triathlons <laughs> and quasi maybe in daytona doing an i forgot you used to do that wow you know and she is everywhere and you know you might have seen her you know beautiful kids if you worked in a daycare facility or uh Camp Camp Natasha. Natasha. but without further ado let me introduce dr becky why so, hello there how are you doing you did your homework on that introduction yes, that was, i did that, i did, I did nice. my research yeah. on this one i did my research on this one yeah. this is a, i'm really excited about this one for sure this is exciting i've never been on a podcast before yeah i you know I, we've never had a doctor on the podcast no. before. <laughs> it's very new to we've us had everyone from you know other people that have owned podcasts we've had you know fitness geniuses like my boy Kesner. We've had photographers like Mark Kim, who's also on our other podcast, but you know, I don't I don't know when's the next time we're gonna get a doctor on the show. So this is I'm taking advantage of this moment. I'm really doing my homework on this one. So it's it's great that you're here. And that you and like not only that, but you've asked to be on here. Yeah, so I'm that's... definitely flex that <laughs> for sure that's an honor honestly. <laughs> I was so excited to see that. Alright, so let me let me start out with this question so I've always wondered why did you choose to become a doctor or when was the moment that you realized that you wanted to be a doctor oh let's start writing essays today huh <laughs> um I was a junior in high school when I figured I wanted to be a doctor um I had a lot of skills if you will I was a, a natural nerd um, but also wasn't great at any particular thing. I liked science, I liked math, I liked people, um, but I wasn't a valedictorian, I wasn't the best at anything. And I was like, what can I do that would actually help the world? Um, and I read a few books about Mother Teresa and I was doing some volunteer work and I was like, you know what? Like healthcare is a big thing. There's a lot of people that don't have access to it. There's a lot of people that can't get treated around the world for problems that they might have and that makes it really hard to function like healthcare is a pretty fundamental thing that everybody should have access to um and i decided i was going to be a doctor nice and that just leads me to my follow-up question how was that process because i know there's a lot of people out there that go for their doctorates and sometimes they just go into the process and think it's going to be you know, they get their bachelor's and they're like, cool, it's just four more years of this, but there's actually like so much more work. Cause I have a, we have a friend, Oceana, that you know, and she's mm -hmm. going for her master's. And she's already told me that it's a completely different ball game, like right in the first semester of getting a master's. So how is that journey getting uh, a doctorate? I feel like every step of the way, you need to find people that are the next level up ahead of you that can give you advice because there's no book that will tell you exactly how to get there. Or maybe we should write one, but. Um, <laughs> so, went to undergrad, I went to UConn. Um, 
first thing I did as a freshman was go and find the pre-med advisor who gave me the piece of paper with all the courses I needed to take. Um, and then anytime there was like a talk for pre-med pre people or whatever, um, or and I would go to it and listen and take notes. Um, and I found out what tests I needed to take and what courses I needed to have and like did a test prep course and whatever. Um, got all my volunteer work and lined up and everything that I needed to include in the entrance essays and stuff. Um, and then applied to med school, ended up going to UConn. Uh, that was four years. The first two years are mostly classes based. Um, you do some shadowing and stuff with doctors while you're there. And then uh, the next two years, you're on rotations. So it's uh, four weeks in the hospital doing inpatient medicine, four weeks doing inpatient surgery. And like you just, same thing. You got to find people who did it, the, the section before you, and take notes and figure out what you're supposed to do. Because sometimes you got to show up at 5 a.m. and you need to do all this work before you have to present to a group that's rounding. And other times... You know, you show up at a doctor's office and you just see patients during the day. So it's uh, different strategies for different rotations. Um, and then around fourth year of med school, you start applying for residency. Residency is like its whole own thing. There's this weird kind of archaic but neat system they have called the match. So you go around, you interview at all the programs you want to be at for whatever specialty you want to do. And then you list your like top four, five, 10 programs in order of preference. And then the programs list their top candidates in order of preference. So like one to 150 or whatever they do. And then it all goes into this magic computer system. And then you show up at your school for match day and they hand you an envelope that says where you're going. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. So um, I ended up at Middlesex in Middletown, um, which was convenient. I have family all in the area, so I didn't have to go too far. Um, and I did a four-year residency program in family medicine. So babies to old people to um, delivering babies to small surgical procedures, a little bit of everything. Wow. Womb wow. to tomb. Wow. to tomb family medicine it's so fun so there, with that with that process there was a chance that you would have been doing something else for your for your residency all like, of the programs i applied to were family medicine oh okay so, I see. so um, it's based off of i what could have been anywhere of i think i applied to maybe five programs and ranked four of them oh, okay and then if you don't match with one of the ones on your list then you have to scramble so the day after you're calling programs that have listed openings and trying to get in there and faxing them your resume and trying to figure out what you're going to do for the next four years. Nice. Wow, that's, that's, that's definitely something. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely intense. Not my experience. No. It is intense. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not like anything else. Um, so in residency, you're working 80 hour weeks. Um, oh yeah, it's and uh, I don't actually know what the legal hourly requirements are now, but at that point, you weren't allowed to work more than 30 hours at a time. And then you would have to get at least an eight hours nap before you go back. In. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it definitely prepared me for parenthood. Mm. Um, that chronic sleep deprivation over four entire <laughs> years was wow. intense. I'm sure it was. Um, yeah, I was about to say, I go, I go like a couple of days with, with six hours or five hours of sleep. And right. the third day I'm like, yeah, oh it's, God, it's I, can't, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I have a serious relationship with coffee. Yeah, I started drinking coffee this year. <laughs> yeah, me too. So I learned, I learned that real quick. I was like, wow, 
So it's pretty. That's awesome. And yeah. so, what was like the biggest challenge? You know, other than like the the constant hours. You know, I I don't know if there was like classes or anything that you needed to take. Like, how's the school workload? In residency, there's some schoolwork. You definitely have to take some tests, but it's more experience based. So it's while you're on a pediatrics rotation, reading up on pediatrics. Um, making sure you're kind of staying on top of things. The, the nice thing about it is it's a lot of case focused. So if I'm working in at CCMC, the pediatric hospital in Hartford, and I have a kid with whatever syndrome, Kawasaki's, it's been in the news lately. So I have a kid with Kawasaki's, I'm gonna go home and read about Kawasaki's because oh, okay. I know that the next day I'm gonna ask a lot of questions about Kawasaki's right. and I need to be on my game answering those questions, but those that same information is gonna come up when I take a test. Okay. So um, wow. if I have a kid with a certain form of leukemia, I need to read up on that form of leukemia because we're gonna have discussions about that. And this is um, like the day before kind of thing? Yeah, pretty much. Wow. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you can anticipate that certain things are coming. So if I'm going in during RSV season, I can, I, I know there's going to be a ton of kids admitted with RSV. So I do a little bit of research on that before I get there. Um, if you're on a surgery rotation, you need to know about the acute abdomen. You need to know, like if somebody comes in with a hard belly and it, you know, it's super tender and it's bloated and, and things are bad, like what's going on? Um, what are the things that can cause an acute abdomen? There's a whole book on it. You just have to know that book. Wow. <laughs> just, have to do the, just do the reading. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of studying. It's a lot of caffeine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not like, you know, cramming for a, for a test because you have to give that information out to, you know, whether it be the patient themselves or the parents of the child, right? Exactly. Okay. So, uh, and I think along that line, when you're in any sort of training program, you also need to be comfortable saying, I don't know. Mm. Like, I don't know, let me ask my attending. Mm. Or I don't know, I'm gonna look that up, I'm gonna get back to you. Right. Um, because if you don't, you're not being responsible. Right. Like, that's not, that, that's not something you could yeah, just like, you know, like teach you that when you're, you know, serving or like doing like retail work, they yeah. tell you like, oh, if you don't know something about a price, just say, I don't know. Right. But in this case, it's, <laughs> it's you, very, know, you don't want to give anyone misinformation. No. You know? Yeah. Your sick kid is in the hospital. Like you don't need some third year med student trying to make stuff up. Right. Like, yeah. That's not yeah. Yeah. like, how can you like, yeah, you just can't at that point. Yeah. But, but that's awesome that you, you know, did the time and, and now you're working for Wheeler. Um, wait, and where's Wheeler? Where, where's the facility at? Which one? Oh, so you got multiple? Oh yeah. Okay, so like where is your, where did you first start? Um, so when I started at Wheeler, I was seeing patients, um, I was working part-time seeing patients in Bristol. Okay. Um, it's a federally qualified community health center, so we see everybody regardless of their ability to pay. Um, and I was just the doctor that you saw if you came in on one of the days that I was there. Um, I had my own panel of patients, so people that called me their primary care provider. Um, and then um, when I was promoted to the medical director, uh, initially I supervised three locations. Now we have four and we're adding a fifth. So uh, I supervise, we have a location in Bristol at 10 North Main Street, um, New Britain at 75 North Mountain Road. Um, we have a huge, what is now our flagship location in Hartford at 43 Woodland, which opened since I've been there. So we have their uh, pediatrician, 
three other medical providers. We have a chiropractor, a dentist, dental hygienist. Uh, we have a dietitian. Like it's, it is really like one-stop shopping. You walk in there and we can, we got everything. We got behavioral health, we have psychiatrists, we've got everything um, and it's amazing. Is that just Hartford County? Or like, is are all your locations in Hartford County or you have other locations? Like, um, and then the it? other one is in Waterbury. So the oh, Waterbury okay. opened in May. It's at 855 <clears throat> Lakewood Road. And it was previously uh, Goodwill, I think. It's oh, in- right next to Planet Fitness. Wow. Okay, so you guys okay. gotta come visit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, tour. absolutely. <laughs> I know yeah, exactly it's beautiful. They did a great job. Um, so there we have uh, two primary care providers, so kids to adults to anybody, regular primary care. Um, we also um, do a lot of uh, addiction medicine, so people who are looking for medication-assisted treatment for opiates uh, or alcohol. We have the behavioral health support. We have um, intensive outpatient programs, um, and we can prescribe Suboxone or Vivitrol, depending on what you're looking for. Um, we also do HIV and Hep C treatment in primary care, so you don't need to see a specialist. You don't need to go anywhere else. Like my people do it, <laughs> we do it. Um, and then we also prescribe gender affirming hormones. So we anybody of any part of the LGBTQ plus spectrum is mm. more than welcome there. Um, and if you need behavioral health services, we we have that. If you need hormones, we can help you with that. Anything you need. Um, so it's nice to have like that one-stop shopping. Um, we have a chiropractor who's starting there literally this week. Mm. So we'll have that. Um, the majority of our patients are on Husky. Um, and the funny thing about Husky is if you're 18 and under, they Husky will reimburse chiropractic care. But once you hit, I guess it's 17 and under really. But once you hit 18, you're considered an adult and you have to pay out of pocket for chiropractic care. But chiropractors that are associated with a federally qualified community health center, like ours, um, it's covered by insurance, which okay. is nice. Oh, nice. Oh, I, I might have to go down there though because I've always wanted to, because there's some times where like my back just like cracks out of nowhere. And I'm like, maybe I should just go see one once. One Dr. Time. DB, man, he's a good guy. <laughs> and he's so nice. Uh, he's smart. And uh, he also like has a good background in sports medicine, so I feel like I can I send everybody to him with all kinds of questions. Nice. Yeah, just I like, found out that I have um, a mild like scoliosis. Oh really? Well, all right. I went to the doctor. I I went to a chiropractor. I was under Husky like a while ago, and they told me. Sorry, I could have sworn they told me that my back was fine. Cause like they did tests, they told me to do the thing where you bend over, yeah, bend over and like bend over. I swear the doctor said I had the straightest spine ever, <laughs> even though I had crazy back problems. Then I went, um, I went to the doctor earlier this year for some reason, and she was looking through my records. She was like, "Oh, you have scoliosis." I was like, "Wait, what? How do I not know that I have <laughs> and it's scoliosis?" In your exactly. <laughs> like that makes that. no sense. That it's someone, crazy. I mean, someone wrote that down before. No, I think. I think my mom lied to me. I don't know. I don't know, but <laughs> I don't know. That was weird. It's yeah. So yeah, scoliosis. Fun fact. <laughs> yeah, I just need like a one time. Just go and see and just like see if there's any problems. Cause I don't think I just never really. Oh, liked. I'll show you. <laughs> <You're Okay. right>. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like you know I've gotten you know like lift me up and, and, and crack it before, but I think I need just like isn't that whole, bad? Oh, analysis. I don't know. It felt good. <laughs> of course, it feels good. <laughs> I don't think that's good. Well, for I, don't know. I just need like an overall analysis. So yeah, definitely check that place out because it's so close to where I yeah, live. Right. It's like a yeah. ten minute spot. And yeah. I usually go to Naugatuck, but that's just for 
yearly checkup and yeah we could do your yearly checkup too yeah, once I heard primary care, I was like, oh, that. <laughs> and now I got it into it. She's That's plugging her, her yeah. place. No, we got it all. We got it all. So, There's a pharmacy on site, too. Oh. What? No way. Yeah. Got it all. We will have Quest um, the, so that you can get your blood drawn. Right now, we have the medical assistants drawing blood because... A lot of our patients just don't want to go somewhere else to have their blood drawn or okay, know, they like that's to postpone it. Yeah, so yeah. we just draw it while you're there. Um, but we have the new site uh, was outfitted for a Quest location. The DPH, because of COVID, just hasn't really signed off on all of sure. it yet. But the fact that we were able to open a new location as a federally qualified community health center during COVID just blows <laughs> my mind. Yeah. Dude, a lot of things happening right now is right? blowing my mind. Like a lot of things that are happening and a lot of things are, that aren't happening are crazy. Yeah. Crazy to me. Yeah. Like so what, what's been the biggest challenge as a medical director during COVID? Like in terms of just having those facilities and operating, like what has changed and how is it like, I'm, I'm sure it's a lot more difficult. So how is, how has it been? I think when we first started, we didn't have a ton of the PPE, the personal protective equipment. Mm -hmm. And we also were entering this brand new territory of telehealth. So we had been talking about having opportunities for say video visits, but they weren't gonna be reimbursed and we never really had a platform. And then all of a sudden over a weekend, I'm on with the IT guy and we like tested out Teams, Microsoft Teams yeah. for telehealth visits. And right. we were able to connect and we talked and we're like, oh, okay, like let's see if we can do this. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we're seeing patients uh, virtually, which was crazy. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, there was a period of time where patients just didn't want to come into the office. Right, I'm sure. And um, you, we didn't want to have a ton of people in the waiting room, like potentially exposing each other. Um, you don't want to be seeking medical care and putting yourself at risk of getting sicker. Right. Um, and that was really before we had as much knowledge as we do now on masks and social distancing and hand washing and kind of how to how to see people safely. Um, so when did the conversation start about? the about the whole um about everything going to this route in terms of virtual right so like you know we got word that you know schools are shutting down when in march like yeah. when yeah, when did you guys march. when did you guys learn that okay you like, can't see patients anymore i think it was sometime in march okay so around i'm not the same sure time. but it was roughly around the same time okay. as the schools closed okay. okay um so for some things like our well child visits mm -hmm. like that was one of the early things that we're like okay you know your kid might be due for a physical and we're gonna put this off for like two months mm -hmm. just so that we can kind of make sure that we're doing everything as safely as we need to mm -hmm. Um, and you know, pap smears, not super urgent. Cervical cancer screening is a really important big thing, but like maybe not this month. <laughs> Let's put that off for a few months so we right. can figure all this out. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of patients I know of, cause I know um, one of my, wow, it was crazy. One of my coworkers got diagnosed for cancer like the day he got uh, furloughed. So like, wow, it's tough. crazy, right? Oh. So like how, <laughs> how can you, you know, take care of people that, that have cancer during this time like it, like going in for treatments yeah. and stuff like i don't i don't know how that works i don't know if you would have the answer for that i don't know if you like yeah that's well your i territory. mean from a primary care perspective um we're doing a lot of you know support and communication with their oncologist and so forth um and we 
would certainly, particularly somebody with cancer who's highly susceptible to getting COVID, you want sure. them to stay home as much as possible. And then when they do have to go in, they're wearing masks and they're getting okay. their chemo and they're doing what they need to do. Um, but otherwise, they're really kind of living in a bubble. Yeah. Um, and for that, the telehealth is perfect because then I can, you know, they can go on their phone and have a visit with their doctor and still be able to say, hey, you know, I'm having a lot of nausea this week. Like, what can I do about that? And I'd be like, hey, let me send in the script to Genoa, our pharmacy. And by the way, they'll deliver it to your house. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just nice being able to provide that kind of access to sure. people. So do you, you, you're a fan of that. You like the whole virtual I like it as things. an option. As so an option. if, for example, I'm seeing somebody with high blood pressure, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I can prescribe them a blood pressure cuff so they can check their blood pressure at home. Mm -hmm. And then the next time I see them, I can see them in person if they want to come in in person, or I can do it over the phone because mm -hmm. there's not really anything I physically need to see them for. And I, I met them. I know what they are. I don't need their labs. They just had their labs done, right? Oh, okay. Um, and they can check their blood pressure at home. So I can do it over the phone if they okay. want to do it over the phone. I can do it over Teams if they have a smartphone and they have access to Wi-Fi, which some of our patients don't. Right. Um, but if they can, then I can do it over Teams or they can come into the office and I see them in person. So like, it's nice to be able to have those options for those situations where it's clinically appropriate. So what, what are the situations that aren't? Like what, what situations do you need if to see If you have someone? a rash and you have a not so great smartphone, it's gonna be really hard to look at your rash oh, okay. as you're like, well, it's kind of over here. Oh, I like see. the so that's something you probably want to go in in person, right? Okay, sure. Um, if I'm seeing a kid for a preventive care well child visit, like their annual physical, I can do a lot of the counseling mm -hmm. virtually in theory, but I actually need to put my eyes on the kid. Yeah. I need to listen to their heart. I need to make sure they get their vaccines. Mm -hmm. And um, some health centers are doing like drive-by outdoor vaccines, but then yeah. you have to have the kid kind of sit there so you watch them and they make sure they're okay afterwards. And yeah. um, at this point, we have enough personal protective equipment. Uh, we're able to distance safely. So we are seeing kids and we're actually actively trying to get the kids back in right now. Mm -hmm. Because anybody who postponed their vaccines before really needs to get them we have measles. Yeah, like it's around. <laughs> yeah. We don't need a measles epidemic this winter, please. Yeah, no. <laughs> like get oh, your vaccines. Like anything I can do to keep people from having to go to the emergency room so that the emergency room docs can handle what the emergencies are that are coming through and not have to worry about all this other stuff is great. Hmm. I agree. Yeah. Have you done a virtual doctor visit? Um, no, before? the only time I had to go to the doctor, it was like a month before. And I had the flu, which my mom is convinced was coronavirus. <laughs> like, cause a she, lot of people, but, yeah. Because she got it, and then I had it. But, the flu? Yeah. But then, like, the way she had it, she was like, I've never had a flu like that. Like, oh, right. Like, she was. That she was, was around March? Yeah. Or February? That was, like, the beginning of February. Yeah, and, yeah. And, like, I remember, like, I was fine. And then one time I went to, I, w I just worked at aftercare. And then the next day. I was like no way wow no way i could do this and yeah. and there was like you know the thing was it's flu-like symptoms so yeah right <laughs> yeah, who knows? but my my mom was like is like convinced that she had it wow i mean i thought like, I, I never had it i like thought i did before. too at one point 
I mean, I did, but yeah, I, thought I, 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 did. I, I thought I, like, before COVID, I thought I had it. Yeah, because it just started, it, I remember it started, like, way out in California, and we were like, yeah, oh, right. we're good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then once, like, once the school closed, that's when I knew, I was like, this right. is it's it. Serious. We're going to be like this for a long yeah. time. I don't know how I feel about the whole uh, virtual doctor thingy. Like, it's okay, but the way my clinic does it is, like, there's so many layers I have to go through to mm-hmm. talk to my doctor. And it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to be able to call up, like, "Hey, I'm feeling this. Like, what do you recommend?" Like, it, but first, one, I gotta talk to the phone operator, right? The mm-hmm. you know whoever answers the phone. Yeah. Uh, not even that. The the automatic voice thingy that transfers transfers you to whoever, and it's not even an option to like. I just have a general question, right? Gotta go through that first. Then I gotta then the phone operator, and then she transfers me over to a nurse. I tell the nurse what's going on and then sometimes they may or may not have the answer or the wrong answer because when I had COVID or yeah, when I had a fever, um, I called, had to go through those three layers, those two layers. And then I told the nurse what I was feeling and she was like, oh, you're fine. You don't need to worry about it. Like, you don't need to get tested. Those are just slight no symptoms. Way. Did yeah. you get tested? Yeah, I did get tested. Yeah. And you had it? Yeah. I remember when he, I remember when he called me. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I was at I was at training for before care. Right. And I was like, oh my god. I know, dude. I, the, the scary part is I was at work that day, so like, you know, work had to shut down. They had to call my customers who I saw. It was just so scary. Oh. Luckily I didn't have crazy symptoms. I had a fever and it lasted a day and a half. Okay. Barely. And then the week I honestly felt fine. Um, but it was just the fact that I had to go through those layers and mm-hmm. I, and at that point I still didn't even talk to my doctor. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I really, I want to just be able to call someone, especially the one, the woman that I've been seeing for the past like few years or a couple years, however long it's been, but no, it's just that long of a process to see her. And then when you have a doctor's appointment, it's the same where like where you go in the nurse, the nurse mm-hmm. goes in first and then the doctor. Yeah. So it's the same, right? They call you. You know, they tell your appointments at nine, they call you at like 9.30. <laughs> and then uh, the, the nurse asks you a few questions, hangs up, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, the doctor calls you, da 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 da. And it's it's almost like it's it's rushed. I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about that. That's fair. I, you know, I've, I've only had it done, I've only did that two times now. Uh, the second time was better than the first. Um, but again, I don't know if your place is like, where you still have to go through those layers to, to talk to your doctor. Or is it like, are you the doctor? Do I call you directly? Because I, I understand you don't want, you know, thousands of patients calling your cell phone. That's yeah, understandable. Size That's understandable. Yeah. I mean, I think every medical facility you call in, whether you get a receptionist or you get something, you don't call directly to the medical provider um, because a lot of what you're calling for might be something that right. somebody else is better off answering. Sure. So they try to kind of keep the level of questioning appropriate because if I'm seeing patients all day long, I'm spending 15 minutes with each patient and I have, you know, a few minutes to write my notes and then I have all the phone calls to call back. So if it's a nurse level question, then the nurse will usually call you back first. Um, Now that we can do telephone visits, a lot of those nurse level questions have become telephone visits, Mm -hmm. um, which means the medical assistant might call and ask you some screening questions ahead of time. But, um, and then yeah, so maybe I'm just the being, doctor calls. Yeah, maybe I'm being selfish because like I just want answers. Like, I know, you know, I know. It, I it sucks. It. I, like, and you know what? Well, it's well, funny. Your situation so was you might be better off going in in person most of the time because you want to have that hand 
not hand-holding, but like that in-person <laughs> relationship, right. if you will. Um, whereas some people are like, if I can do this from my house and not have to yeah, take man. three buses to get there. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we have a lot of patients that use Veo and yeah. Veo doesn't always show up on time. And like, it's mm-hmm. just for some people being able to access their medical provider for a visit from their house sure. is huge. Right. Um, or to not have to take time off of work and be able to like schedule a visit over your lunch break. Yeah, like, that, yeah. that's a nice, that's a, a nice, nice option. option. But mm-hmm. if, if you want to spend quality time with your medical provider, then by all means, do it in person. Sure. Yeah, it definitely things have been less restrictive because I remember, I remember first time I ever went to like a, like a doctor's office. I went in for an ingrown toenail, and that's not something you can just do over the phone. You know. You yeah, that wouldn't be and, a good phone visit. <laughs> you have to go in, What's in the, person for that. <laughs> Speaking of that, my doctor told me one of the funniest stories. What's like the weirdest thing you've seen as a doctor, like from a patient? I give you an example. Sure. <laughs> Once, <laughs> my doctor told me someone brought in their poop <laughs> because they thought it was like it was. I've, gr- I've had people bring in poop. Yeah, that's I was about to say that I can see that happening. <laughs> but you know what? That, like, that was very surprising and funny to me. Why did people do that? Because that maybe there was some red stuff in it that like looked stringy and they didn't know what to make of it. And they're like, is Bring this a worm? Sample. And you're like, no, oh. you straw- You must have swallowed some string. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was insane. Yeah, as a doctor, you gotta you gotta just kind of be numb to that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Oh, just dealing yeah. with the human body and yeah, all this. Yeah. Fluids. <laughs> Poop and discharges and puke and all that stuff it doesn't phase me anymore wow. which also oh, okay, so. worked out really well for parenting yeah sure. no worries you know what the funny thing is though and i think it's the symbolism the thing that grosses me out is like really bad hand injuries and like mm. eye stuff like oh, you know yeah. like a fork in the eye like kind of bad mm. like ruptured globe i don't want to yeah. make you guys yeah no no lose no, your no, lunch I, or anything trust me. good we've, thing your dinner's over we've there played, <laughs> we've played our video games that have had that kind of stuff before yeah just Mortal like, Kombat. The, yeah. like the thing with the eyes that gets me it's just that that's not something you that's that's not a common thing you know like eye injuries or whatever it's no super common so when you actually do see it, it's like whoa okay like that's actually surprising yeah what's that um what's that the thing with the ring Oh, like how you get the rings off? No, no, no. Like if you, it's like, it's like people who have rings and like they, they either it gets stuck somehow Uh and it, and it It cuts off like circulation. Yeah. So there's like, if your hands are swelling for some reason, whatever it may be like an injury or not, your rings can get kind of stuck on. And then um, there's a bunch of tricks, whether you essentially take a dental floss and kind of weave it through and use that to help kind of slip them off or, um, dish so yeah, there's so there's like a or you can oh, actually like cut off like avulsion i think cut them off yeah do you know what that is a ring avulsion it's when the wedding ring get, gets caught and pulled and pulls your finger out i can't say that i've seen anyone's <laughs> finger come off because it, like we've removed rings but oh, okay. i mean it, it, sure it's possible yeah i've never i've never heard of that i can see it i can imagine it happening for sure but it's a uh, it's it's a weird hand injury. I was wondering if it's like if not you've that seen common. that. No, it's not. I don't think it's that common. But no, I the thought. worst hand. The one that bothered me the most was I had a guy who was working in a factory, and he took like big sheets of metal and worked on a machine that crushed them down to really really small. 
And his boss, of course, took off the safety so that he could do it faster. So his oh. job was to slide the metal in and it crushed his hand Ouch. and he came in and he needed hand surgery and um, wasn't gonna be able to get into the OR for a while. So it was my job to stitch up his hand. So we stopped bleeding. And I, I can't definitely puked afterwards. I, I kept imagine. it together while I was there, but like his hand looked like Look, me. You guys are, you guys are. <laughs> I, gotta give, I gotta give it to you guys. You guys I, are built different. I had, I had an injury at camp. It's probably like the worst injury that I've had to take care of at camp because it was like nothing crazy. But one of one of our campers just running and she boom head on the on the gravel and like it was open a little bit. So I was literally just like cleaning the blood like oh, off her because it was yeah. like, running down her face. Oh, scalp injuries bleed like stink. I can't. And I was oh. like, and I was just like, I was like. But you kept it together while you were in front of her. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no. yeah, see that? Like, yeah, that's I, a, I'm not doing anything different. Right. It's like, yeah, it's like I called my mom and was like, yeah, just, you know, her head is a little open. Like, <laughs> we don't have like anything too crazy like that. So you just need to come pick her up. It's oh. definitely like not a 911 situation, but I just like put a bandage over her. And I just, oh, that like, happened this summer? Yeah. Oh. And I just like uh. cleaned up, like cleaned her face up. Wow. Cleaned her hands. Like she had like another, like she had like a scrape on her shoulder. She Ouch. was like so little and yeah. like, that's what really kills me. Like she was like six years old and I was yeah. like, <laughs> no, like, right? Was, like her, hair, like her, like hair was sticking to her arms. I was like, yeah. this might hurt a little bit because it was sticky. Yeah. She was like, Ow! I know. I, the worst thing is like I feel bad for the person who's injured more than well, I should feel bad. <laughs> yeah, you should. That's good. <laughs> yes, you should. Yeah, that's that right. normal. Yeah, <laughs> that's normal. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but no, as they, long as you can maintain some form of empathy. Yes. Yes. You're yeah, okay. the empathy is a, is a big deal. That's why my mom always says she can't be a doctor because she she has no empathy. Well, it's, it's not that she has none. It's just that like it's very hard for her to sympathize oh, okay. with, with something that she hasn't really experienced oh, okay. before. So I, I can understand that. Yeah. But it's it's tough. Yeah, like it I, really is. Like imagine. you guys are like uh, I don't know. Champions. I don't have the words <laughs> to describe like the Especially during COVID. Like now have you guys, you know, done uh, do you guys like handle like a diagnosis like process? Do you guys do like on-site COVID we testing? We do a lot of COVID testing. So both Waterbury and our Waterbury location and our Hartford location have testing that's open to the public. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, actually our Waterbury location is gonna be five days a week soon. Um, during whatever hours, anybody can show up and get tested. Is it rapid um, or no? Uh, no, we're doing the PCR, oh, wow. um, which takes me roughly two to five days. Sure. Um, and uh, the five days is usually if it's over the weekend. Um, and we are doing what's called an anterior nasal swab. So hypothetically, I hand you the thing and I say, okay, you're gonna pick your nose. Yep. You put the swab in, you twist it around both sides. You don't have to stick it up to your brain. Um, just get some boogers on it. Uh, it's technically 15 seconds on each side. You put it back in the tube and then I Yeah, I had to do that it. one in, where was I? It was a Walgreens one, so it wasn't yours. It was like a driving one. They handed me the thing. Yeah, and, so we're doing yeah. it outdoors. Um, anybody with symptoms without, um, if you have insurance, we'll take your insurance card because your insurance is obligated to pay for it. They're not allowed to bill you. Um, if you don't have insurance, there's grant funding that'll cover it. So it's free. There's who? Uh, Who's covered? Uh, grants. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we have wow. uh, testing available to the public. And then at our other locations, if you're a patient, um, and you're symptomatic, we'll do drive up testing. We'll, so we'll walk out to your car, you know, you, you drive up, you call us, you're like, hey, I'm here. And we walk out to your car and mm. you swab yourself. You don't even have to get out of the car. Um, if it's somebody that's walking up, they can just 
swab their nose standing on the sidewalk. Um, so they don't have to come in, or if you're in for a visit, we can certainly get you tested as well. So cool. we, we have a lot of testing options, um, but the community testing has been really fun. Sure. Uh, I've sure a lot of yeah. people. You know, it's it's neat. There's some people that come once a month. There's some people come, um, I don't know, once a week, uh, depending oh, on like what. Oh, like regulars? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just, yeah. You know, because some jobs yeah. know some that jobs they're are in high risk yeah. situations and they want to get tested regularly. Sure. I have a friend who's a teacher. It's getting tested twice a week now. Mm. Um, but the nose, oh, I can't. I did three of them. And my nose has been sore but for I like a month. Like, I feel like from like the all swabs. the way up or the lower ones. Oh, look. Well, the first they, two did, ones they did were, you do they it got to yourself, there. or the did last, they do it? The last one I did it to myself, but the first two. How ones, high they did got you put it up? I don't. This I don't particular know. They said, swab doesn't have to go that far up. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, I said, I went with yeah no, this one doesn't have to go that high up. Oh, come see us. No, next time I will. Yeah, like I went with Oceana, and I remember she did it in the car, and. She did it just It's like fine. no big deal. It's right. literally picking your nose. <laughs> yeah. If like, you can pick your nose, you're good. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like that whole, like, stick it all the way up there, I feel Dude. like this is a little unnecessary. But early on, I can understand why Early on, was... we thought that was the most accurate. And now what we're finding is uh, our data is just as good. But early on, we didn't have a lot of test results to go by. It's yes. a novel virus. We're still figuring a, stuff out. Sure. As a doctor, how do you, how do you think that... You know we've been handling this like do you think we're moving too fast do you think everything's gonna be fine or like what are your thoughts on the way that so the, the question phases. is is will there be a second wave i think that's the that's big your question, question. Yep. and i don't know the answer to that because right. i think the majority of people are doing the right stuff mm -hmm. the problem is is that it's, small group of people that yeah. you know decides it's, they're going to have super spreader parties yeah, whether yeah. they're on yachts off of greenwich or you know whether they're you know parties in waterbury like it, you have enough people doing stuff like that and like mm. people have been cooped up for a long time and fall and winter are coming and i mean for the most part i, I think we've like we're going out to eat but we're pretty much eating outside or yeah, we're getting yeah. takeout like and right. What are we going to do when it's cold? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, how are we going to see people? Like, we're all going to, like, put on three layers of thermal underwear and hang out in our backyards. <laughs> like, and we have backyards. I'm fortunate that I have a backyard. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you don't have a backyard, what do you do? Mm -hmm. I know, we just moved into a house this March with a backyard. And I was like, all right, guys, and we moved in. <laughs> summer, like, the end of summer. Yeah, was, I remember. Like, I remember, <laughs> I remember the enthusiasm. Plan, bro. And even for Cinco de Mayo, I had, like, what, like, it was us. It was it literally was, me, you, and Mark Hammond, Joel. Yeah, Joel, you, me, and like, yeah. we were just outside in the backyard. And... Yeah. So you need to get a fire pit for the winter. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> I have one, but I, I guess I gotta fix it. Ooh, that's a project. Hmm. hmm. That, that'll be fun. Yeah, because I mean, how how else are we gonna make it through the winter without right? Outlets? Yeah. Wow. So that's yeah. your that's your biggest concern right that's now. That's my biggest concern. It's okay. Fall that's fair. and winter, and how are people going to handle it? Do you think um. Oh, I had a great question. I felt it was a great question. I don't know how to answer. I don't know how to ask it though. But Sorry, the timeline from when everything started till right now, mm -hmm. do you think that we've we've made? Sorry, do you think that we've handled it handled it in a way where like the way we're doing things now is the right way to do it? For example, the virtual, mm -hmm. you know, because like that, I felt like it all happened so quickly. Mm -hmm. You know what yeah, I mean? Quick adaptation. Quick adaptation. Sure. So like, do you think that? The, our way of adapting to this this change like was a good way bad way how could it have been different 
I think in Connecticut, we've done the best we could. I feel like Connecticut as a nation, New York, we've done yeah. horribly. <laughs> For sure. And frankly, if it's bad that like if even now we decided we were going to truly shut down everything that's not essential for four weeks this right. thing would go away you said it wait what go away you said it would it go- would go away that's what you think yeah because if if nobody was spreading it we, we shut down for three months right two weeks, but then. but it wasn't truly it wasn't shut a down, truly shut down because like, we still had people were traveling stores, between essential, states essential and, businesses and yeah travel. and we're like as much as we're a huge country we're also a small country sure and that like all the states that are wide open like people up until recently have been and still frankly are traveling to the states that are wide open who yeah. are essentially super spreading hot spots yep. and it's not like we ever did a true like if there was you know, that three months we were shut down could have been a heck of a lot shorter if we did it the right consistently yeah, yeah. and the whole country shut down. If the whole country shut down for one month, we would not be in the economic situation we're in right now. That's mm. very true. Yeah. Wow. But that requires, that. you know, no national leadership and I listening that, to scientists. Right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I felt that that was, I felt that that would have been more effective, but I don't know why it wasn't done. I feel obviously for, you know, everyone's scared about the whole economy, this, that, whatever. Yeah, but, I like, hear you. I mean, they did, like, they gave us money anyway. So, like, shut us down, give us money. When it opens back up, well, that money goes right back And they gave us nothing compared right. to what other countries gave for money. Right. Yeah. right. We still, you know, apparently there's supposed to be, like, another round of stimulus checks that they've been in talks with since the late august yeah i mean and, i i doubt it like i didn't i didn't even get one a lot of people I was i'm a dependent still. right yeah. so it was like dude how old are you 23 you're still a dependent that's so cute the thing is is that you know you couldn't anticipate this happening right exactly so. because the the <laughs> yeah. difference between me being independent and what my mom would get exactly if she claimed me right would it would just pay like she basically yeah. just pays me the difference yeah and but the thing is like we also lost we we didn't have the 500 dollars because i was over 17 because mm-hmm. if you're on if you were under 17 you were dependent your parent got 500 dollars, but obviously i'm way older than that so she didn't get the 500 dollars, and i didn't get the 1200 dollars either so yeah. i was like dang it whatever yeah. <laughs> but that's why i was waiting for this round because they said that the dependents are gonna get it but now it's like yeah. now who knows right it's yeah like, everybody just needs to vote so i wanted to talk to you about role models because i know your role model is your mother mm-hmm. but what are some other role models that you have in terms of i don't know maybe celebrities famous people like who do you like look up to i you know what it's funny i, I can't say that i have many famous people um i have worked with some amazing people um one of my former medical directors when I worked at a different community health center was um, not just a really smart and compassionate physician. Um, I worked with her when I was a medical student, um, but then when I started, it was my first job as a doctor, she, um, her name is Wando, but um, she um, was really honest about like blocking her schedule so she could go to her kids like lunch thing and um those little things as somebody who i was a working woman um on my first like real doctor job and like putting my all into my work um but to have somebody 
frankly, in a position above mine say, and you also have to make time for your family mm-hmm. and you have to do this stuff. I mean, between that and um, Tina, who's our VP of nursing right now, reminding me on a regular basis that I like need to make time for these kind of balance things. Um, like sh- Tina, hands down, if you're listening, um, <laughs> she's the reason why I signed up to coach my daughter's, my daughter's soccer team. Oh, wow. Um, because uh, otherwise, like I'd be having Julie bring in her soccer, which would be fine. Like there's nothing wrong there, but I need to make sure that I am making that commitment to my kids too, because there are nights that I'm working until seven or eight o'clock at night where we've got meetings or there's a board meeting that I have to present at or whatever, like, or I like, I get home and like the computer's off, but I'm getting phone calls from medical providers who have questions and like, we're talking through clinical scenarios and we're talking about like how this patient has a complication with their liver, but they also need treatment for hepatitis or like, how do you manage these scenarios? (laughs) Um, And I want to be accessible to my providers 24 seven. And um, new providers, when they take call and once they're established while they're taking call, I'm like, call me. Like you send me a text and it's the middle of the night, I might not wake up. So you might have to call me, but just call me because I would rather you ask me the question now than like, have like lose sleep over something yeah. like don't like right. that's my job <laughs> i'm the medical director call me yeah put it on um, me. that's good but to balance that level of accessibility to my staff i have to make sure that i'm also carving out time for my kids mm-hmm. um so that's something that has been consistently modeled for me over my career which is pretty awesome because yeah, i that's... think as a just in general as a female but i'm, I'm sure men would model benefit from that kind of modeling too. (laughs) Um, But just trying to make sure that you kind of find that room for your family and your career. Um, I was able to start out as um, early on as a medical director. I was supervising far fewer people, but I was able to start up part-time because I just had a baby and like kind of making all those things work is is just the Mm -hmm. juggle. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's the hardest challenge of being a mother and working full-time? Yes, is is the juggle. And um, I, uh, oh my gosh, somebody told me who it was. I had it on my Instagram recently and somebody commented, gave me the source and I don't remember what it was, but I I was listening to a different podcast um, and they were talking about how it's not just the work-life balance and it's not just work and family and like personal life. It's that there are 55 balls that you're juggling every single day Mm -hmm. and you have all these balls and you have to realize that some of them are glass and some of them are plastic and you're going to drop balls and you just have to make sure you drop the plastic ones. That sounds very familiar to the Michelle Obama podcast. Yes. Uh, Somebody said, was it Nora Roberts? It was... um, Somebody no, it was, it was, it was, it was her, that, but. it was Michelle Obama's mentor. It was a, that whole interview was just about mentorship. Mm-hmm. And she says, her mentor says pretty much exactly what you're saying yeah. and how your uh, supervisors were like, you know, taking time for their family, but also obviously incorporating their work, you know, yeah. right? So yeah, it's literally just that. <laughs> the, right. You need to be able to fund the family that you're trying yeah. to support. And it's a lot. Yeah. A lot of work. And then I, I was mentioning to Dan earlier that like uh, also Michelle Obama in her book Becoming talks about after she had kids, how she um, had to, you know, she dropped back her hours. So she was working part time, which was all great and good, but she didn't realize until she went back to working full time that she was doing the same amount of work 
as a part-time person, she had the same number of meetings and the same responsibilities. She only had three days a week to do it instead of five. Um, so, and she was only getting paid for working three days a week. So I recently realized that now that I'm back to working full-time, it makes the work balance part easier, but it doesn't necessarily make the laundry and the cooking and the dishes yeah, and the cleaning really like that much the, easier. The mother stuff, <laughs> you know, like the, the, the things that you would typically do as just like a stay at home mom. Yeah, and I'm fortunate to be in a relationship which is more of a partnership where we like yeah, he folds very, laundry too. Very in sync with the yeah. whole parenting thing. Um, I really respect that for you guys. Yeah, like he's, I'm here right now. He's got the kids at home. Like oh, we're we're doing it. Um, but I think it's still it's still a lot for two people, and I'm fortunate to have a partner who's willing to help me out. That's great. Um, so why is your mother your role model? Like what about you, your guys' relationship really, you know, said, hey, like my mom is basically like a superhero to me. Cause I feel the same way. Like my mom is my role model. She's, yeah. she's taught me everything that I know. She's, you know, she's the one that's been supporting me the most out of, you know, I say I want to be a drummer. She's like, okay, we'll be a drummer. She says, I want to start a podcast. She says, yeah, I'll listen to the podcast, go do it. So what about your guys' relationships sparked that in you? I think from a very early age, we've always had a very close relationship. And she, I think both of my parents to some extent, like they they gave me adult information and not like inappropriate for your age, but like had real conversations with us. Um, and um, were always supportive of anything I wanted to do. Um, and she and I just, we had a really close friendship and she's always been there to support me for anything I've ever wanted to do. Um, and definitely one of those people that's like, yeah, you can do this. Go ahead. And, um, I think like growing up something like grades, my parents are like, you know what? We don't care what you get for grades. As long as you come home and you did your best and you tell me that you worked hard and it almost backfired because then I started working maybe sometimes a little too hard but like it had to kind of find that balance there but um just having somebody always in my corner who um was very accessible to me and then um i kind of found a a passion in social justice uh, right around the same time i decided i want to be a doctor like sometime in high school um became something i was really interested in um, and she has always been passionate about that as well. So she was the one that was, you know, dropping me off at soup kitchens and, um, you know, getting us involved in like little projects here and there um, and making sure that not only were we doing things to help other people with like the service mindset, but doing them with people. Um, so, yeah, I think. Just the overall shape. Overall, she's, she's an amazing woman. She's, uh, uh, she went back to school. Uh, she was a nurse when I was growing up, um, and she graduated as a nurse practitioner the day after I graduated med school, so we had a joint party. Um, <laughs> and she uh, has continued to evolve and shape herself. Um, she then went back and got a master's in divinity, and now she's a UCC pastor. Um, oh, wow. So, no. like, she's <laughs> just a cool lady. Yeah. You guys would like her. Wow. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure we would. Yeah. I haven't been disappointed so far. So. <laughs> um, what's something that you know, you've learned as a mother that, you know, you, she, you wish she would have told you going into to motherhood, hmm. if there's anything. Cause she sounds like an amazing woman. Yeah. I probably wouldn't miss a beat, but is there something that you've experienced that you were like, man, 
man, I wish you would have warned me about that. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, it's funny. I think the biggest challenges I've had as a mother were just kind of postpartum figuring it all out. And I don't know that she or anyone else missed the ball on telling me about it. It's just finding your own way. Yeah, and like something you have like to go through. Like you go through. from being an individual to like your entire identity is as a mother. And then I had this like closet thing in the back that was like, oh, but I'm also a doctor. But which is, you know, part of my identity. But for a period of time, being a mom came first. Mm -hmm. And then kind of finding that balance as like now, now that my kids are a little bit older and they sleep a little bit better, I can think about other things and I can have other passions. And um, I, in kind of defining my own way, I kind of picked up specific athletic pursuits that have been a little bit extreme, I'll give you that. But um, I just, for whatever reason, decided I wanted to be an ultra runner. So I am fully under trained for everything I've done since I became a mother. But <laughs> I've also just decided that, you know, I, I don't know when I'm getting another chance, so I'm just gonna go for it. And I'm gonna try running, you know, my first 50K, 31 miles or, you know, whatever, can see if I can do 50 miles today. And, um, I think that has been having something outside of work and family that was just me to think about has been really valuable and nobody told me that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I, I don't think that that's going to be a thing for most people, but I think finding something that you can have as yourself and as your own when you've kind of lost that personal identity is helpful. Yeah, no, I agree because <laughs> I've had, you know, all three of my sisters are amazing mothers, but you can tell that you know some a couple of them just miss that you know like doing something because their husbands all have great jobs yeah and like and like well my two older ones my younger sister she's uh, on RN right now going to school but you know, my other two like they have amazing jobs like they're stay-at-home moms but you, like they always tell me all the time that there's like, like that's hard being a stay-at-home mom is hard like your world is yeah. your house right. yeah <laughs> and um, I think it it's it's amazing to be able to sacrifice and give all of that to your children but I know that I couldn't do it mm. yeah it's not for everyone <laughs> yeah and you know some that's people okay. they don't yeah. have a choice and that's yeah. not what they want to be doing and they're still rocking it too so yeah. and then there's there's all in and there are some working moms that wish they could be at home so mm. um, but just figuring out how to make the best of your situation for sure. is definitely a skill. Gotcha. <laughs> Zian, do you have any more questions? Uh, yes, I have one more question. Okay. What are, what's like your next steps from, you, right now you're a, you know, the director of the Wheeler mm -hmm. Clinic. Yeah, yeah, Wheeler Clinic. <laughs> so like www.wheelerclinic.org in case you. anyone's looking. <laughs> what's, so what, where do you go from there? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm really enjoying where I'm at right now. Um, it's a funny position because I've, I feel I've really grown in it. Uh, Wheeler's given me a lot of opportunities. I started out, um, like I said, just kind of working part-time seeing patients. And then when I got promoted to the medical director, initially I was the medical director who people ask clinical questions. And then over maybe a year or two, I started getting pulled into operations, like how schedules were made and so forth. And now, um, I'm getting pulled into strategy discussions and you know, where can we expand and what do we do? And like that constant evolution has been fascinating and it's been a lot of fun. And 
all things that I never anticipated. Like I knew going into med school that I wanted to work with underserved populations. And um, I did a fair amount of global health work um, early on. At some point I'm gonna get back into that, um, whether, wherever it might be. Yeah, but, I saw you double majored in poverty studies too. Yeah, I, I did a lot of sociology in undergrad. Um, and then uh, I've worked in Haiti, I speak some Creole. Um, I was much better at it when I was speaking on a regular basis. <laughs> sure. um, but I worked on a grant funded prog uh, project where I was in Haiti every, I don't know, probably about a good five days every month for a while, um, training Haitian nurses to go and work in uh, small communities doing di uh, diarrhea education after the um, cholera outbreaks. So that was really cool. Um, and I've done some work in Guatemala and Honduras as well. Um, my Spanish is way better than my Creole, um, but that's because uh, I use it more. <laughs> I use it all. I use it seeing patients, um, right. so it's different. Um, so I'm definitely going to get more involved in that as kind of a personal passion project. Um, but as far as career path, I think I'm good here for a few years, um, and then um, let's see where it takes me. Cool. I mean, I uh, would have no about becoming like so right now I'm considered a medical director um, and it's there's some like kind of technicalities of the jargon but could I be a chief medical officer someday maybe maybe even at Wheeler um, could I uh, I have a friend who um, I was working with as a physician um, who is now working for um, CMS for Medicaid and Medicare as their medical director. So like there are other places to go that I never would have anticipated. Mm. Um, and I don't know, I don't know. I didn't expect to be where I'm at right now either. Right. Yeah, that's I also, always, full yeah. disclosure, had never planned on getting married or having kids. I was gonna be off doing global health. Like that was my plan yeah. and uh, fell in love and so kind of found this path or this path found me and I'm having a blast, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, We'll see, we'll see where we go. So basically a man to ruin your life. No, no, no. <laughs> no. no it's, um, it's, it's, I think uh, if I had pushed harder, I would have brought him with me. But I at see. the time, he wasn't interested in living internationally. Right. And um, he had his own career path. And so I was like, okay, we'll figure this out for now. But now he's open to whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Garrison, we'll yeah Garrison's really cool about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. He's a neat guy. So uh, my last question, I wanted to end on... What goes in training for like a marathon or even like an ultra marathon? Because I see you and Gary, you guys are always going on hikes or runs. You guys, you know, I know you guys are, I don't know if you have, have you ever done a decathlon? I know you guys do triathlons. It's a decathlon. It's basically just like a whole like other string of events, but you guys do triathlons, oh, like, right? Is that more like the adventure racing end of the spectrum? Like yeah. where you like cross country ski and then shoot a gun and... Yeah, it's like a whole bunch, <laughs> but I'm assuming that you guys do triathlons, because um, that's what I've seen. Yeah, so we, mostly triathlons, um, or get, we both started out, I'll back up, uh, running with the Y. I, prior to that, had done some uh, couch to 5K and 10K, and I did a half marathon training program with Fleet Feet out of West Hartford um, when I was in med school residency, somewhere around there. Um, and at, I was not an active person at all. And all of a sudden, kind of just got into this active lifestyle concept. Um, 
and then you know your social circle starts to change and you know i still have friends from forever ago but now i have friends that do triathlons and so then we started doing triathlons so we started um gary and i were both volunteer coaching with the run group at the y um and we got involved with the triathlon club we did our first sprint triathlons um and then uh he went up to doing iron distance triathlons i've done two half iron triathlons one of them was gary and two of my friends were going down to miami to do a half iron man and i was like hey that's cool i'll hang out at the bar and you know watch you guys finish like sure why not and then i was like that sounds like i'm gonna have a really lame day <laughs> um so i literally dusted off my bike went for a 50 mile bike ride and i was like okay I think I can sort of wing this. So my thought was, as somebody who has a swimming background, I swam um, a little bit in high school and Parks and Rec before that. Um, I was like, so I, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna do the swim, and then I'm gonna try to do the bike, and I'm gonna pull off the bike course, because there's no way I'm gonna make this cutoff time. And then I'll have a few minutes to like hang out and compose myself, and then I'll watch them finish. That was my plan. And then I got in under the bike cutoff time. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to run a half marathon now. <laughs> and I was the last finisher. I was out still on the course and somebody came by and said, listen, you need to pick it up. I know you hurt, you're having a miserable day. And I was not trained for this. I was not trained for this at yeah. all. Um, and she was like, but I'm gonna go pick up everybody behind you. They're not finishing you can finish, you just need to run. Oh, wow. And so I did and I finished. And then the next year I actually trained, uh, went back and did the same half Ironman and took an hour and a half of my time. Oh, nice. Ooh, hour and a half. That's, but you know, yeah. training makes a difference. <laughs> yeah, like what kind of what kind of training is it? Is it just swimming, constant? biking, and running? It's just constantly. Oh, yeah. Right so most triathlon training plans will have you swim two, three times a week, bike two, three times a week, and run two, three times a week. Mm -hmm. um, you do a little bit of speed work and then some just what they call like zone work, where you're within a certain heart rate zone and you just go yeah, for time-based right training. So yeah. Perky's doing. He's going. He's trying to do the Boston Marathon. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's taking a trip he's going to one of the carolinas or at myrtle beach they're doing like a, a qualifying qualifier. run and he's going to do that on the way down to florida to visit his sister and then he's going to hopefully go to the boston marathon i'm like dude you go to the boston marathon i will be in boston yeah that's awesome because he's running like today today we were supposed to go to the football game and he's like sorry man like i woke up a little late i gotta start my 13 mile run i'm like 13 miles like <laughs> oh gosh Sheesh. like i remember when he first started like i would go with him like occasionally and then all of a sudden like he just started doing these super long mile runs like six mile runs seven mile run days and i'm like and he's jacked now too i'm like dude you lost me yeah he's got a little speed on him i don't have that much speed but yeah, like, um, i know he used to do it in college so yeah. just kind of caught up back with him and That's he's awesome. been in it so I'm proud of him and yeah. props swimming biking just adds a whole other layer that <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm good. I'll go on hikes. That's about it. <laughs> like, right. And you know what? That's what I'm trying to do with my kids. Like, I want them. One thing that I found, like, key for my mental health is spending time outside. Like, just outdoors, in trees. And for kids, they don't need a lot of trees. Like, a little patch of trees will do. And then as you get older, there's studies that show that, like, big, vast areas of nature, like national parks are a great thing but like any little bit of nature will do for kids um and just having that something to ground you so like when you're really stressed the world feels like it's falling apart you can go outside and like okay the sun is still shining like 
yeah, there are tree or clouds, but you know, behind it, there is still blue sky and the world goes on. Um, so having that kind of grounding in nature that um, whether it's spiritual or meditative or whatever you want to call it, I think is something that I really want to pass on to my kids. Um, so we're outside every chance I can get. And I also want them to be moving. Um, the guidelines for kids is that they should get an hour of physical activity every day. And how many kids get that? Not that many. Um, but <laughs> I want my kids to get that because it's, it's healthy. It's, and, um, it's funny, uh, starting to play soccer, Lily was really nervous. Like she goes on the field. She doesn't know any of the kids. She doesn't really know what she's doing. Like who knew six was late for picking up soccer, but in our town, that's, that's the thing. Um, so like everybody else seemed like they knew what they were doing, but like once she started running and sweating and laughing, like she's so right. yeah. like, and it, like it, it could be soccer. It could be field hockey. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. whatever it is, like once she starts running, she's loving it. Mm -hmm. And like when we go out for a trail, like we'll start out hiking. And then like, if you watch my, you know, Instagram, like the kids just take off running mm -hmm. and like, they're just happy and they have endorphins. And like, that's, that's what we all need, frankly. Mm -hmm. yeah. We should all live like that. <laughs> no, honestly. I could definitely use some more outdoor time. Yeah, me for too. Sure. For sure. No, I don't have, I don't have too many people other than John that I can rely on for that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's definitely great for the kids. I mean, I've worked at, You've worked at camp, yeah. you've been at camp, I've worked at camp. We've all seen what being outdoors can do for kids and yeah, it absolutely. helps, you know, whether it be, you know, a kid that's already into sports and they just get more of it or mm -hmm. a kid that you clearly see has just been cooped up and yeah. their kid, their parents just need a, somewhere to send them and then they end up just loving camp. Right. Like that kind of, you know, I've been going to camp ever since I was four or five years old and it does make a difference like you can mm -hmm. tell when someone has been to camp for that long and someone that hasn't they look at things differently whether it be like oh my god it's raining like i gotta stay indoors like like you just run outside in the rain and you just you know, you know you're what? like ah, it's just raining. i'm not gonna right. help it's not, it's not that big of a deal yeah. you just think things in certain ways so i'm glad that people also share that sentiment as well mm -hmm. But that's all the questions I got. Do you have any other questions? Nope. Do you have anything else that you want to? Get your flu shot. Get your flu shot. Fingers crossed flu with all the mask wearing and the hand washing and the distancing, our flu season might not be so bad. But on the other hand, like, again, I mentioned before, we want to minimize any reason you might have to go to the ER. Mm -hmm. And some people, you guys, hopefully healthy, if you get the flu, might be no big deal until you spread it to grandma or mm. to somebody who's pregnant or to someone who's sick. So get your flu shot. Can we get them at the Wheeler Clinic? You sure can. <laughs> hey, we are taking new patients. Right got you. <laughs> we are taking new patients. I don't, I have the number. Hold on. I have the number. But it's uh, wheelerclinic.org is the website. Um, you just go on there and schedule an appointment. 888 793-3500. So that's the number to call and make an appointment at any of our locations. Cool. And you can also go to the website. You can also go to the website and they will give you that phone number. Sweet, sweet. And you guys are, it's pretty much just central Connecticut that you guys are based around, right? So yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. Bristol, Hartford, New Hartford, Britain, Bristol, Britain. and Waterbury. Waterbury. And we're in the process of adding uh, Plainville. Oh, nice. Um, is, is it going to be like a full facility in Plainville? Or is it just going to eventually? Be... I'm sure, but yeah. I, it, we're going to start out with. Um, so we have a behavioral health uh, facility in Plainville, and we have a school actually um, that have recently come into scope as a 
federally qualified community health center. So we will at some point be adding medical. I don't know the exact timeline. Um, and then uh, we'll probably start out most of our clinics like Waterbury, we started out um, with uh, two exam rooms and like just kind of getting it going. And then now since May, we have the 855 Lakewood location, which is huge. Um, so we're, I'm guessing that when we add medical to Plainville, that'll start out small and then as it grows, we'll, we'll expand. Oh, you know what? That actually reminds me of a question that I forgot before. What did, what do you guys use to determine what goes into like a facility? Like what do you guys offer? Is it just like general across the board or does it depend on the location? Yes and no. So the health center model is the also known as something called like the patient-centered medical home. So uh, we want to make sure that our patients have access to medical, that they have access to prenatal care. Even if we don't offer it directly, we have relationships that we can do that. Um, they have to have behavioral health and we as an organization have to offer dental. We have also decided that chiropractic care is uh, something we value um, and um, having access to a nutritionist or a diabetic educator who we have that visits multiple of our locations. So those are kind of big things that we have decided are important for a health center location that we have. Um, and then of course, when you're just starting it, we might only have the medical and behavioral health. We always have medical and behavioral health at start. And then as we grow, we'll add those other services. Um, and then like we have uh, community health workers and patient care coordinators and all of this other layer that your private practice doctor's office might not have um, that helps with uh, patients who are medically complex or people who have challenges with the like social determinants of health. So if you don't have transportation or if you have problems with access to food, frankly, we give out food. We have a relationship with Holcomb Farms um, and we give out free vegetables every Wednesday. They literally give us tons of vegetables um, at all four of lo our locations. We're giving out vegetables every Wednesday. So um, wow, we try awesome. to do everything we can. Nice. That's awesome. Wow. We want to make healthy easy. We want to treat the whole patient. We want to give you all your resources in one spot. Innovative care, positive change. We're trying, man. <laughs> that is amazing. All right. Well, this is where we're going to end it. We're at an hour 40 in. So it's been a great conversation. Mm -hmm. um, where can the people find you if they want to learn more about your... You know, because I know you're very active on Instagram, very active I am. on Facebook. Instagram is um, pretty much where I'm at. Um, I am technically on Facebook, though I will fully admit that I'm trying to balance my social media diet, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, that means I delete Instagram um, off of my phone for most of the week. And if I need to like check something, I'll go on through a website. But um, oh, I reinstall it on Wednesdays. Uh, and then I post the thankful Thursday post if you've seen that and like everybody comments on their thankful Thursday and then most people finish commenting by like Friday and then I delete Insta uh, Facebook after that. So if you see posts from me on Facebook during the week, it's because I posted them to Instagram um, and they automatically post and like the stories automatically share. So gotcha. I look more active on Facebook than I am. <laughs> okay. Um, but just the way the feed is set up, like if you, every time I pick up my phone, I found myself in like without even noticing it, clicking on Facebook and scrolling the feed and like there's stuff that I, right. it's just not important to my life and I don't need to stress about it. Yeah. Um, I got enough going on. So <laughs> I would rather pick up my phone, look at what I want to look at, put my phone down and like interact with human beings. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, what's the name of your yeah, so IG page? Grateful Mama MD is my uh instagram grateful mama md all right well i mean if you're not interested in in learning more then 
clearly either A, you haven't made it this far into the podcast, <laughs> or B, you're just not that interesting of a person yourself because this is an amazing <laughs> woman we have in the studio and you know, I've I've learned so much today right. than I have ever could have imagined. So happy to come back. This yeah. is fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much for, for coming on here. We love to have you back. Um, maybe once everything starts like winding down, maybe we can get like an update on everything that's going on yeah. in the sure. medical field. Sure. Keep me posted. You're kind of our in at this, yeah. point, <laughs> at this point. We don't want to learn anything about the medical profession. We have right. someone to look forward to. So that's great. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thank you. So thank you guys for listening to the Chopping It Down podcast. It's been Zeon, Dan, Dr. Becky. And if you want to, you know, keep in touch with us, we have our socials. Um, I'll probably just post that in the bio because we don't really have anything dedicated for the podcast itself. It's kind of just our personal pages. So, you know, follow, subscribe, share. Um, and yeah, that's about it. So chopping it down. Out. Chopping it down. Out. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, and sorry.